Well, let's talk today about some incredible heroes of the faith that when you see their quality of commitment, hopefully inspires your quality and my quality of commitment in following Christ. These are your spiritual ancestors, my spiritual ancestors, when we see how they live their life facing tremendous odds and tremendous persecution, how they had that perfect peace and victory during those times, let these examples just be for you and I in this time to, to be a, a motivation and inspiration. You know, people say, where do you find a model of faith to follow? Let me give you a few examples, some heroes to really emulate and to appreciate, uh, again, as your family and my family down through history. Charles Spurgeon said, half our fears arise from neglect of the Bible. We're going to look at some people that, that laid down their life so that you and I can read the Bible today. And when you read it and you know the truth, that truth that sets you free, you'll see the fears just vanish away. First person we'll look at is John Wycliffe. He lived in the 1300s. His crime, according to religious and political leaders at that time, he wanted scripture to be translated into the common language. Well, this was forbidden for a couple reasons. Religious leaders wanted to control who read the Bible. And if you couldn't read it, they had control because they could just tell you what it said. So if they told you, listen, to gain entrance to heaven, you have to obey me. Or to gain entrance to heaven, you have to pay so much money to this religious place. And once people were able to read the scripture and say, you know what? Salvation is a free gift through Christ. You can't earn it. You certainly can't pay for it. Well, that was dangerous to religious leaders because suddenly they lost control. Political leaders, they wanted to control people not reading the Bible because they also wanted to, to convince people that there was a hierarchy in life and people were on the, the ladder in society. They were meant to stay there and the king was meant to be obeyed. Suddenly you can read scripture and it says there's only one king of kings and that's Christ. And you have no fear of any man. And you're created in the image of God and his love for you is as high as the heaven is above the earth. And suddenly that king loses control because people see who they are, the royal family they belong to in heaven. And suddenly they start to think and believe and act in ways that maybe that king is, again, losing control over. So what did Wycliffe do? He translated scripture from Latin, which was the language of the scholars. Most people didn't speak it. Translated it from Latin into English. And he believed we are to trust wholly in Christ. We can't be justified in any other way but through his righteousness. And again, a radical statement at that time when the religious leaders who were often corrupt wanted to control people and the information they had. Think about this. This is before there was a printing press. So when John Wycliffe translated scripture from Latin to English, all the copies were handwritten copies. And these were illegal to own. You know, he was declared a heretic. And what happened is people that were caught with the translation, the handwritten copy of the scripture, well, they were martyred. They were burned at the stake. And another reason that that happened is not just did the religious leaders want control, political leaders want control, but John Wycliffe, in the notes of this handwritten copy of the Bible, he would write and call out by name, this religious leader is corrupt, or this political leader, they are corrupt. He would call out groups of them. Some of the monasteries in the area, they, he would say, you know, they're full of compromise and sin. So all these things were in his notes, and it upset people. 
they were called those who read his scripture and were caught, you know, following his teachings. They were called lollards. And that word lollard means mumbler. It was to be an insult. And it was to be an insult as to say, you don't know spiritual truth. You're just a mumbler. But it was too late. They had copies of the scripture and the truth had already set people free, even at the cost of their life. You can go to London today. There is still the Lollard's prison. You'll see a, a ring on the wall where prisoners were chained that had followed Wycliffe waiting to be executed. And, and one prisoner carved into the wall in French, Jesus Amore Mew. And what that meant in English, think about this. This person is ready to die for their faith. What they carved in that wall is Jesus is my love that we might have that same sense of calling and faith every day, even in the, the face of you know, persecution or you see the world's compromise or religious leaders that you know, live or morally, whatever it is you see happening, that you and I say, you know what, Jesus is my love, and I'm going to live my life from that center. People at that time understood that Wycliffe, Wycliffe had a calling because when groups met, there were clear signs from heaven that they were in opposition to God's plan. All of this is Satan driving through history, trying to stop the word of God from coming forth. But we're told plainly scripture is given and it goes forth and accomplishes the task for which it's given. One group of persecutors, they gathered in a church to persecute Wycliffe. And while they gathered, while they gathered, lightning struck and blew the door off the hinges, scared everybody tremendously. They all ran. Another group gathered. The very hour they were gathering, an earthquake hit, destroyed much of the city. Revelation 6-9 says, this is John. He has this vision of people that were martyred. He says they were slain for the word of God and the testimony they held. That we might say, you know what? The, the word of God, it's the words of Christ to life for you, to me, that we lay down our life to know it, live it, and the testimony therein that we will stand in that testimony, no matter if there's persecution or other people have walked out on their faith or whatever the crowd wants to do, that we say, Jesus is my love. Even as detractors knew Wycliffe was a godly person at his trial, here's three quotes, a man of unblemished walk in life, a perfect liver of life, a valiant champion of the faith. You know, Wycliffe, he was not taken to the stake. He died of a stroke he had on Christmas Day. But years later, another religious person is in charge, and they decide they want to try to erase his memory. So they dug up his bones, burned them to ash, and threw those ashes into the river swift. But it was too late. The, the word had already been read by people, and the word was going to go forth because that's God's plan, and there was no stopping it. This fire that Wycliffe started would, would become this you know, full-blown flame that we call the Reformation, which has impacted the entire world even today. Dave Martin said it well. It's a choice to rejoice. It's a choice to rejoice. You know, daily, Wycliffe, his followers, they rejoice no matter that they are facing death. That you and I say it's a choice to rejoice no matter what you're facing, what I'm facing. Here's a poem from... 600 AD, nobody knows the man or woman that wrote this. But hear the heartbeat of this believer. Grant me, sweet Christ, to stand beside the place where all men's sins are washed away by sanctifying grace. 
It's all Christ. It's all grace. You know, Wycliffe, he did not end up being executed at the stake. The man who comes after him, he's not going to escape that fate. But the reason you and I can read the Bible in English today is because of this man. Lived in the 1400s into the 1500s, William Tyndale. And where Wycliffe translated scripture from Latin to English, Tyndale now lives when the printing press has been created. And he's going to translate the Bible from the Greek into English. Something clearly was forbidden in England at that time. And you'll see after he prints one, it becomes, you know, at the face of death. Here's the thing. A familiar face is going to come up. King Henry VIII. Because when it was legal for this Bible, William Tyndale gave he and his wife, Anne Boleyn, a copy. And Anne Boleyn treasured her copy of the scripture. Eventually, though, she fell out of favor with her husband, Henry VIII. He had her executed. But we'll see something else about his choice, a choice he never should have made. And he's going to face the consequence of that. You'll see here in a moment. Here's an injunction from 1530. We forbid scripture to be divulged or communicated to the people in English. Tyndale's copies, they were burned daily by the thousands. But again, they were being printed and they were going all over Europe, but they were trying to gather these copies up. They didn't want people to know the truth about who they were in Christ. Ultimately, Tyndale himself would be burned at the stake in October 1536, but his last words were, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. He was challenged about why do you translate scripture to the common tongue? And Tyndale said, I plan that the plowboy will know more scripture than you religious leaders who have compromised your faith. He was betrayed by a supposed friend. He languished in a miserable prison cell. Even there, though, he converted the jailer and his family with his testimony of Christ. Tyndale's impact is still there today because 90% of the King James Bible, it matches Tyndale's translation. And when he prayed, Lord, open the King of England's eyes, within one year, his New Testament was being printed all over England. Here's some quotes that this hero of the faith gave for you and me about how to live our life. He said, faith in Christ's blood is counted righteousness, not by trying to earn your way. Acknowledge thyself a sinner that thou may be justified. Just as a prayer in scripture, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. The next one, I love this one. If thy faith induce thee not to do good work, then thou hast not the right faith. If our faith does not move us to action, we do not have the right faith. We can change that today. Next, he said, beware of good intent. Something to think about. A lot of people have good intent, and they say what they're going to do, but they do the opposite, or they do nothing. Beware of good intent. He said, remember what happened with Peter when Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And he says, you're the Christ. And then Jesus says, I'm going to be crucified, buried, rise again. And Peter says, no, Lord, I will defend you. And Jesus knows that he won't. And he tells him, get behind me, Satan, because he knows, one, he's going to deny him three times. But he also recognizes he's trying to interrupt this plan of God that's set in place where Christ is to give his life a sacrifice for many. 
He also said, remember the sons of Zebedee when they were leaving Samaria and the people rejected the message of Jesus. And the sons of Zebedee said, let's do like Elijah and pray that fire comes down from heaven and consumes this town. And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you speak. Because I've not come to condemn men. But I've come that they might be forgiven. To husbands and wives, Tyndale said this, Our Savior Christ has commanded nothing so straightly as you love one another. How much more than should a husband and wife love together? Well, let's go back to Henry VIII. Eventually, he would forbid anybody to read or own a Bible. And he declared all Bibles were to be, were to be burned. Here's the thing, though. Weeks after making that declaration, the consequence of such sin would catch up. He became gravely ill, and he's now on his deathbed. Some of the last words he spoke is the mercy of Christ able to pardon me all my sins, though they are great. Eventually, he cannot speak at all, and they call a minister in, and the minister sits down, and he grabs Henry VIII's hand. He says, if you can hear me and understand, squeeze my hand. And Henry VIII squeezed his hand. And the minister said, you know, he shared the gospel, and he said, do you believe that Jesus is the, the Savior, that your sins are washed away by his grace? If you believe that, squeeze my hand. And he said, Henry VIII squeezed my hand with all the strength that he had. His grace is greater. Here's the thing, though. After Henry VIII dies, his nine-year-old son, Edward, becomes the king. And Edward, even as a child, knows the power and need for Scripture. He then restores Bible printing. And now all these Bibles are being printed. And he said, I want every Sunday in church, one chapter of the Old Testament and one chapter of the New Testament to be read. But again, you see Satan working, trying to stop what's not going to be stopped. At 15, Edward dies. He's poisoned. And before he dies, he declares his sister, Lady Jane Grey, is to rule. But we all know history. Mary forcibly takes the crown, imprisons Lady Jane Grey, sentences her to be executed. But again, another believer, before she is executed, Lady Jane Grey would say this, I am by the blood of Christ made partaker of the everlasting kingdom. I die a true Christian woman, and I do not look to be saved by no other means, but only by the mercy of God and the blood of his only son, Jesus Christ. Once Mary takes control, she's going to execute 300 Christians within six years. Remember Revelation again, they were slain for the word of God and for the testimony they held. Here's two of their testimonies. John Bradford martyred in 1555. His words were, let Christ crucified be your book to study. Imagine, you know, in a culture where there's so many distractions. People consume with entertainment. What if we spent more time saying, let Christ crucified be my book, the book that I study? This one is particularly moving. This is Ralph Allerton. He was burned at the stake in 1557. As he languishes in prison moments before his execution, he's going to write a letter. There's no ink, though. They won't allow him to have it. 
Here is the letter that he wrote. I believe the scripture true and in defense of the same, I intend to give my life. Give his life for that very thing he did indeed. How did he write a letter when there's no ink? They wouldn't give him any. So was his commitment. He wanted that testimony out. He would write that letter using his own blood. In six years, Queen Mary executed 300 Christians, but she died suffering a miserable illness. She died at 42. After that, her half-sister, Queen Elizabeth, rules for 40-plus years, and she was known for her deep love of the Bible. Ultimately, all of this takes place, and it's leading to 1611 when then the King James Bible is you know, translated and the most beloved translation of all time still what is used today. Again, the Word of God is going to go forth, and it's going to accomplish that for which it is given. Jordan Peterson shares Christianity achieved the impossible. The Christian doctrine elevated the individual soul and placed slave and master alike on the same footing, equal before God. Christianity insisted even the king was only one among many. See why it was such a threat then to religious and political leaders. We all see that in Christ, salvation is the gift to each of us. We're all sinners needing the same Savior. A few years ago, I was in a class, and the professor, he shared that he got to meet Prince. You know, Prince, of course, one of the most popular singers of all time, really. Sold 100 million records, incredible sales. And Prince was at this hotel where this professor was in a conference room sharing about the gospel of Christ. And Prince was waiting on his handlers to bring in his luggage. And he was staying by the door and he listened for a few moments as this professor was expounding on the gospel. And then he, you know, he walked away. As fate would have it, this professor, he got on an elevator that night and Prince and his entourage got on as well. And Prince told him, hey, I did hear you. For a few moments, I was outside the door listening as you spoke, and he said, I like what you had to say. And, and he said, you know, this, what you said about Jesus, I think I'd like that in my life. And he said to the professor, you know, I, I want that. What does it cost? And this professor said, you know what? It, it costs you your life. It costs you your commitment to take up your cross daily and follow after him and he sure they had a nice few moments there of conversation and then you know they got off the elevator you didn't see prince again but it's it's true for you and me you know what does it cost well it's it's our life to say yes he is the one that i committed all to jesus my love remember hebrews 11 some face jeers flogging chains imprisonment they were put to death by stoning sawed in two killed by the sword they went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. They wandered in deserts and mountains, lived in caves and holes in the ground. And I think some of the most beautiful words in all scripture are the next when it says, the world was not worthy of them. That we might join their ranks in living in holiness in Christ. Wycliffe and Tyndale and other examples 
The last one very quickly is Erasmus, who lived at the same time in the 14 to the 1500s, world's leading expert on Greek, world's leading expert on the Greek New Testament. His work was one of the main you know, tools that the King James translators used to translate the King James Bible in 1611. Erasmus, he was this person that was consumed with a passion for Scripture. What he contributed to us today is he traveled the world, continent to continent, taking up manuscripts, ancient manuscripts that he collected. So we can have, you know, the the most sure copies of the, the true word of God. But he said this, all I ask is leisure to live holy to God, to repent of the sins of my foolish youth, and to study scripture. Most know the words of Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. As Craig Groeschel shares, that word understanding in Hebrew is the word batak, and it means cling to. So the idea here is trust in the Lord with all your heart, not the things you cling to. And as Craig shares, in order to cling to God, you'll have to let go of whatever you're holding. That may, may be letting go of understanding, your own wisdom, your own plans. And to come to that place and say, you know what, Jesus is my love. I love this here, shared by Dan Warren. He was an evangelist reaching out to the Mayo Indians in Mexico. He said it began with this man that spoke the, the Mayo Indian dialect, and he's very ill, lying on a cot in this small hut in Mexico. And Dan went to share the gospel with this man and did so through this interpreter. And what they did is they left then a cassette recording of the New Testament in this man's Mayo language. And they, they were able to leave this recording. He just played over and over over the next few days before he died. And when they came back about a week later, they found out this man died, but the people testified, this man, he died happier than he ever lived. Just listening to that New Testament. And Dan said, this man, you know, he was 70-some years old, and so I was very surprised to find out his parents were still alive. And one was 98, and the other was 100 years old. And they came to talk to Dan, and they said the same thing. You know, our son, he died happier than he ever lived. We want this same peace. And Dan, again, through the interpreter, was able to share the promises of Scripture in Christ. And this couple, 98 and 100, gave their life to Christ, were baptized, and many other family members then, by their testimony, also received Christ as Savior in their life because the word, it goes forth. And it will accomplish that for which it is given. So may these examples compel us to, to live differently in how we live our life day to day, moment to moment grant me sweet Christ to stand beside the place where all men's sins are washed away by sanctifying grace